Did you sing that song with bronchitis? She sang that song with bronchitis. <laughs> now, just to be sure, this is my cup because I don't also want bronchitis. We're all gross right now. And I mean that in the most demeaning way possible. We're all walking around coughing, all of the leaders in the back. Jerry, have you gotten sick yet? Not yet. It's coming. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, man, we're all just coughing and going to doctors, and it's just lovely. Forgive me this morning. I don't, <clears throat> I'm not trying out for a Hot 105 Midnight Love. I, too, am sick. What's his name? Freddy Cruz? Freddy Cruz. Welcome to the church. Well, if you have your Bibles, turn in them to Matthew chapter 7, verses 15 through 20. This is a very important sermon this morning, a very important topic. And so I want to take you... Uh, through an analysis and an application of a very important passage specifically for our church and our context. Our church and our context is one in which we find ourselves in an area, in a city where false prophets, false Christ, and false teachers run rampant. There are churches on every corner and only God knows what's being taught in the vast majority of those churches. Many are competing for the hearts and minds of God's people this morning. So this is a very important passage, a very important sermon, and I want to spend the day of the morning analyzing and applying this passage for our context and our paradigm. Let's look at this passage, if you would. Matthew 7, verses 15 through 20. Jesus says, beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. You will recognize them by their fruits. Are grapes gathered from thorn bushes or fruits from thistles, figs from thistles? So every healthy tree bears good fruit, but the diseased tree bears bad fruit. A healthy tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a diseased tree bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus you will recognize them by their fruits. The Bible uses the word fruits and sheeps. I understand that fruit is already plural and so is the word sheep, but it likes to use the word fruits. And sheeps. We learned last week that the gate that leads to salvation is narrow and the way that leads to eternal life is hard. This week we read that Jesus wants his people to be aware of those false prophets who come into his flock like ravenous wolves in sheep's clothing, wishing to scatter them through other gates. And to derail them from the already narrow path. This morning, eternal life could be at stake. And Jesus has warned us that there are some who want to rob us of eternal life. That is their mission. It is their goal that they are out there to deceive and destroy His people. This morning, I want to talk about how we can protect ourselves from those who seek to deceive and destroy our faith as we walk the narrow path. Would you pray with me? Father, give us the ability to spot false prophets, false Christ, false teachers, false teaching. Protect us against them and give us the means to protect ourselves. 
Lord, I pray that you would impress upon the hearts of everyone in here this morning how important it is that we be alert against false prophets. Lord, only you can change our hearts. Only you can focus our hearts on the importance of this. And so, Lord, I pray that you would make it very evident this morning in the hearts of everyone here how important it is that we be alert against false teachers. I ask this according to your word and your will. Amen. I want to talk about the many names and the many faces of false prophets in the Bible. The Bible has several names for false prophets. They're either called false prophets or false teachers or false Christ or wolves in sheep's clothing and still many others. These are the most common ways that God describes those who come into the church to deceive and destroy his people. Several times, false prophets, that word in our, the first two words in our, our second, third and fourth word in our passage this morning, false prophets, is sometimes used synonymously with the other terms. Take, for instance, 2 Peter 2.1, which says, But false prophets also arose among the people, just like there will be false teachers among you who will secretly bring in destructive heresies, even denying the master who bought them, bringing upon themselves swift destruction. In Matthew 24, 24, Jesus says, For false Christ and false prophets will arise and perform the great signs, great signs and wonders, so as to lead astray, if possible, even the elect. As such, these different names of false Christ and false prophets and teachers simply highlight what false prophets usually come in, in many names and many faces. What is important is to identify their common trait as liars. In fact, each one of those phrases, false prophet, false Christ, False teacher is one word in the Greek that has the same prefix. Pseudo-prophetes, pseudo-Christos, pseudo-didaskalos. False, lying Christ, lying prophet, lying teacher. So whether they call themselves Christ or Rabbi or Pope, they have a common trait, and that is that they are liars. And they also have a common goal, and that is to deceive and destroy God's people. Matthew 24, 11 says, many, many, that many in number, many in difference, Many false prophets will arise and lead many astray. They're going to even be effective at what they do. So whether they're prophesying falsely or teaching falsely or lying about themselves, calling themselves Jesus, calling themselves another apostle from the Bible, calling themselves a disciple of Jesus or a prophet, what all these, these false prophets, teachers in Christ have in common is a false message aimed at deceiving and destroying God's people. Today, we typically use the word cult to describe those who corrupt the true message of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And the cults are varied in their names and approaches. And no universally agreed upon definition exists for the word cult. But what, can, what we can know about these persons in these groups is that no matter what falsehood they're teaching, that they are all against and opposed to the true doctrine of the faith. So I want you to see this morning that 
this could have a lot of different, false prophets and false teachers and false Christ could have a lot of different names to them, a lot of different faces. They could behave differently, but the one thing that they have in common is that they are deceivers and with a one common goal of deceiving and destroying God's people. As such, Jesus begins this morning with the word, beware. Beware. The modern term beware is a contraction of the Middle English phrase beware. Two words, beware, which literally meant to be cautious and alert to danger. It is a grave mistake, however, when we assume that caution and alertness are merely passive qualities and not active qualities as well. When, for example, we see the sign, beware of dog, you simply don't go into that gate, right? I don't know about you, but I don't. When you see the, the, the picture of the dog like this, and it says, beware, don't go in there. And we can avoid danger by just walking past it. We'll be fine. Just walk on by. As Seal said, just walk on by. You're fine. But when the meteorologist says, beware, there's a hurricane coming, it's not enough to simply know that. We must also batten down the hatches. So we would be mistaken to think this morning that when Jesus says, beware of false prophets, that he simply means, just go around them. Just avoid them. He means, be prepared. And so, beware then is a warning to be active. But I'm afraid that many Christians aren't even aware that there are false prophets prowling around as wolves in sheep's clothing, ready to deceive and destroy their faith. Jesus said again in Mark chapter 13, verses 22 through 23, For false Christ and false prophets will arise and perform signs and wonders to lead astray, if possible, the elect. But be on guard. I have told you all things beforehand. Why would Jesus tell us beware and be on guard and be alert if it wasn't to be prepared and be active in our guarding ourselves against these charlatans? One of the most important things a parent can do to protect their children is warn them of impending danger but also to train them on how to respond to it when it comes. This is what Jesus is doing here. He is warning us, that is his people, his sheep, that there are wolves ready to tear their faith limb from limb and that we must beware of their presence. But many Christians today are doing quite the opposite of our Lord's command to beware. It's not just that we're apathetic, it's that we're actually doing the opposite. So many times we're going the other direction than being, oh, being aware or being aware or beware of detrimental teachings to our faith that we accept Every teaching of doctrine. We haven't taken it all too seriously at all. Instead of being aware of false prophets, we have become credulous to new revelations, new teachings, new interpretations, and new teachers. The word credulous means we're ready to accept everything. Gullible is another word. Did you know this morning, by the way, did you know that gullible is the only word that's not in the dictionary? Some of you should be laughing. But in your silence, you prove my point. 
We are all too gullible. Credulity is not a Christian virtue. God's people are to be watchful, always surveying for ravenous wolves and roaring lions who live only to deceive and destroy their faith. Several years back, a police officer gave me a, a, a paper to read called Sheep, Sheepdogs, and Wolves. And the paper began with this. Sheep are fine, living and meandering, grazing in the pasture, as long as there are no wolves. And when no wolves appear... They don't think anything of the wolves. When wolves are away from the flock for quite some time, they're not afraid of anything. I think a lot of times this is Christians. We haven't had wolves come into the church in quite some time, or at least not in an obvious way, and we have forgotten to be on the lookout. So we have gone to a more credulous accepting of new teachings and new doctrines. There will be false prophets among you, warned the apostle Peter, a warning to Christians everywhere to be on the lookout for those who come in the name of the Lord, but who do not do as the Lord did. We have become all too credulous to the dreams and visions of false prophets while being all too incredulous to the infallible truth of God's word. Let me read that again. We have become all too credulous to the dreams and visions of false prophets while being all too incredulous to the infallible truth of God's word. How many times do I meet with persons who have made great and grave mistakes according to the visions and dreams of one of these charlatans and who have failed to follow the infallible rule of God's Word. Walter Martin, one cult expert, says the rise of the cults is directly proportional to the fluctuating emphasis which the Christian church has placed on the teaching of biblical doctrine to Christian laymen. To be sure, a few pastors, teachers, and evangelists defend adequately their beliefs, but most pastors, most of the average Christian laymen, are hard put to confront and refute a well-trained cultist of almost any variety. God gave to His church the gifts of apostles, preachers, and teachers for a positive and a negative reason. I've had a lot of people ask me, how come you don't preach like Joel Osteen? I'm shocked by that, how many people have asked me that. First off, even asking that question shows you don't know me. I am not like Joel Osteen. I'd have a lot more money if I was like Joel Osteen. And I'm sure Joel Osteen can teach you how to get really green grass. I heard him one time, somebody said, are you picking on Joel Osteen just a little bit? I heard him one time talk about how God provided for him to get a, him and his family a new cell phone. You got more money than God. What do you need a new cell phone for? For free. But the bigger question is, who cares while God's people perish for lack of knowledge about how to get greener grass, about how to lose weight, about how to be a better you? Who cares while wolves are in the sheep pen picking them off one by one about cell phones and better health? 
when God gave to the church apostles and preachers and teachers, he did so to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ, until we all attain the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. So that we may no longer be children. Many of these churches with the seeker-sensitive pastors are children in the faith. You cannot give them meat, they will choke on it. They cannot hear about the dangers of their credulity to other teachings because their faith will choke up on it. But we, as leaders of the church, every pastor, <coughs> excuse me, <clears throat> is to make sure that the sheep are no longer children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine and by human cunning and by craftiness and deceitful schemes. That's our job here. Pastors, leaders, and pastors around the world today, your job is not to grow your church. God will add to your number or take away from your number. I wish he would take away from some of these teachers their large number and send them into healthier churches where pastors preach real doctrine, where they're concerned about the maturity of their people. But that's not for me to decide. Geisler and Rhodes said this, these false teachers are the unpaid bills of the church, and the church has failed to doctrinally train its members. It has failed to make a real moral difference in the lives of its members. It has failed to meet people's deepest needs, and it has failed to provide people with a sense of belonging. The failure of the church is wide and deep, and this has made it easy for these Wolves in sheep's clothing to devour God's people. Wow. Well, not at this church. This morning I want to talk about the marks of false prophets and how we can beware actively fighting false teaching. First, let's look at the characteristics of false prophets. Matthew 7, 16 through 18 says this, You will recognize them by their fruits. You will recognize them by their fruits. Are grapes gathered from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? By the way, the answer is no. Grapes come from vines and figs from fig trees. So every healthy tree then bears good fruit. But the diseased tree bears bad fruit. A healthy tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a diseased tree bear good fruit. This is a one-to-one -one condemnation of Jesus, by Jesus of every church that says it does not matter how my pastor lives his life so long as he preaches well and grows the church. When churches quickly take back their pastors after an affair, they demonstrate that they are not looking for truth in their leaders, that they are welcoming in thistles and thorn bushes to be their leaders, to give them nourishment. But how you live and how you preach have to go together. So what are the fruit of false prophets? What do they do? 
Number one, they disguise themselves amongst God's people. One of the traits of false prophets is they love to be with God's people. One of the ways that you catch bass is you watch you watch the fish that bass eat in a school and you go towards them because you know the real predator is right there among them. Because he knows there's an easy meal. These false shepherds, false prophets, love to be with God's people. You don't need to look outside these walls to find them. We don't need to look outside the walls of the church to find false teachers. What did Jesus say? Matthew 7, 15. Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. They come in among God's people. Number two, they teach what people want to hear, not what people need to hear. False teachers teach what people want to hear, not what people need to hear. 2 Timothy 4, 3-4 said this. Now let me show you how you grow a church today. Here's how. For the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching, but having itching ears, they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions and will turn away from listening to the truth and wander off into myths. That's how you grow a church. You start to teach easy believism and false teachings and make it easy and not hard, and you can pack out a church. You think I love reading in Scripture where the Bible condemns homosexual practice and know that as a pastor, it is my responsibility to teach that? I hate it. I would much rather be popular. I would much rather be palatable to the world. Loved by the people in our city. Not worried about persecution coming to our doorsteps. I would much rather preach that there are many ways to heaven. At least in my flesh. For that is a broader path. A much easier path to take. You think these people today who are Pro these certain things, LGBTQ, letter K, the asterisk sign, the at sign, whatever it is. You think they're taking a step out on social justice when they support that? Of course they're not. They're taking the broad path. That's the easy path. There's no condemnation there. You don't condemn anybody. You accept and you approve everybody and you're loved. And you've got all these friends. And yet, we've been told to preach the truth in season and out of season. But listen to me. False prophets teach you what you want to hear, not what you need to hear. If you go to a church to hear only what appeases your sin, what calms your guilt for your sin, you are probably in a false church. Excuse me, you are in a false church. Lamentations 2.14, your prophets have seen for you false and deceptive visions. They have not exposed your iniquity to restore your fortunes. But have seen for you oracles that are false and misleading. Luke 6.26, woe to you when all people speak well of you, for so their fathers did to the false prophets. False Teachers teach what people want to hear, 
not what people need to hear. Number three, false prophets use our vocabulary, but not our dictionary. False prophets use our vocabulary, but not our dictionary. I'm stealing that phrase from Kevin Bywater. John Stott said it like this, Not only does the false prophet feign piety, that is, they fake it, but they often use language of historic orthodoxy in order to win acceptance from the gullible, while meaning by it something quite different, something destructive of the very truth he pretends to hold. False teachers are never afraid to use the name God. They love the word God. Because many religions have the name God. And they're not even afraid to use the name Christ when they define who Christ is according to their own false teaching. Hence the, the name false Christ. Irenaeus said their language resembles ours while their sentiments are very different. Geisler and Rhodes, far more common is the cult's use of Christian terms infused with new meanings, thus deceiving untrained Christians into believing the cult is Christian. For example, New Age cults sometimes use the Christian terms resurrection and ascension when they really mean the rise of Christ's consciousness in the world. The familiar Christian term born again is often employed by New Agers to support the doctrine of reincarnation. The term the Christ is used by New Agers to seek Christian approval when to them it actually means the occult office held by various gurus throughout history. Cults love to use our vocabulary, but not our dictionary. So you know you'll meet a Jehovah's Witness and they'll say, I too read the Bible. Listen to me. They do not read the Bible. You read. If they did, then they would be in the church. But since they don't, they're outside of it. They do not worship the same Jesus you worship. You were called to faith in the Jesus who is one with the Father from eternity past. Who the historical Christian church since the time of 325 has condemned anyone who has ever denied the deity of Christ as a heretic. The most morally liberal churches affirm the deity of Jesus Christ. They are not worshiping the same Jesus you are worshiping. Number four, they're out for greedy gain and not God's glory. In fact, the Greek word for ravenous in our passage this morning literally means excessively greedy, grasping, and thieving. In English, the word ravenous means ferocious. But the Greek word that we translate into English, ravenous, in its original meaning is excessively greedy, grasping, and thieving. Peter said, and their greed, in their greed, they will exploit you, with, exploit you with false words. Their condemnation from long ago is not idle, and their destruction is not asleep. These men and women who promise health, wealth, and prosperity, all if you will simply pay them, are out for greed and not God's glory. Let me ask you a question. Where do you find the prophets in the Bible being paid for their prophecies? They did not travel in harems, walking around, massaging a crystal ball, 
promising to give you a favorable divination if you would simply pay them. Where do you find the prophets doing that? Where do we see them charming a crystal ball at the coffer's ring? Nowhere. And that is precisely because true prophets of God have the arduous task of being forth-tellers. That means they speak truth. When Nathan went to David and told David, David, you are an adulterer, he risked his head being chopped clean off his shoulders. That's what prophets risk. They did not have G5 jets. They did not have multiple mansions, and they did not take off their coats <laughs> and wave favorable health over the people. No. They got a cross too. They're greedy. They spoke unpopular truth. Plainly and firmly and not flattering words to appease men's hearts. That's what true prophets did. Number five, false prophets denied Jesus Christ as Lord. 1 John 4, 3. Every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not from God. I don't care how spiritual your aunt or uncle may be. If they do not confess Jesus as Lord, their dreams and visions can be put in a paper shredder. They are diabolical teachings that are meant to lead you astray. If it does not have Jesus as Lord, it is not from God. You say, why are you so passionate about this one this morning? About this topic? I have seen too many people in our church be carried off by these charlatans. And enough is enough. Number six, they claim a superior knowledge to the true faith. Paul commanded to Timothy to charge certain persons not to teach different doctrines, nor to devote themselves to myths and endless genealogies, which promote speculations rather than stewardship from God is, that is by faith. These people come in with what seems to be really deep. They're really deep. And they always claim to know a little bit. They got this secret knowledge that we've all been duped for 2,000 years. What a malicious God that would be. Claim to give us the truth, but not. And these charlatans, they've got the truth. They have the secret knowledge. Baloney. They're lying. The gospel is a simple, concise gospel that intelligent and non-intelligent child and adult can understand so that when you stand before God and you have not received the gospel of Jesus Christ, he will say to you it was so plain and simple and so good and sweet, yet you rejected it. This is not a secret truth. There is nothing we give to you except for Christ and Him crucified for your behalf. Irenaeus said, They also overthrow the faith of many by drawing them away under a pretense of superior knowledge. From Him who rounded and adorned the universe as if forsook, they had something more excellent and sublime to reveal than that God who created the heaven and the earth and all things that are therein. I remember hearing someone tell me one time that Jesus was not really a human being, but was a 13th century slave ship. He had been studying the internet. That's not a joke. The problem was that was done in a barber shop where others believed the same bunch of crap that he believed. 13th century slave ship. Geisler and Rhodes just give us some more. 
They tell us that these guys have new revelation. They deny the authority of the Bible. They distort our view of God and Jesus. They deny salvation uh, by grace. They are authoritarian like Jim Jones and David Koresh. They are exclusive. They are closed-minded. They are susceptible, i.e. they prey on the highly gullible and credulous. They isolate you from your friends, families, and churches. They are antagonistic. That is, they fear and pledge to do violence violence against the outside world. They are legalistic in some cases. They are sexually perverse and sexually abusive in others. They use physical abuse and they are intolerant towards others. Just some more marks of these men. Well then, that's what they look like. How do we prepare to do battle or how do we prepare against these false prophets. Paul, in Ephesians 6, said this, Be strong in the Lord and in the strength of His might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. You know what a scheme is? It means it sounds too good to be true than it is. These get-rich, those of you who fall for these get-rich-quick schemes, there's no way to get rich quick. People who are rich did so for years of hard work. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Oh yes, buy a sword and a gun to protect your family, sure, but better that you buy a good Bible to protect your family. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God. Number one, guard yourselves then with the truth. This is a commitment to God's word and to the faculties of reason which he has granted to us. In God's word we find no contradiction. It is not an unreasonable testimony, but it is the very bastion of truth. When we guard ourselves with the truth, we must not be driven away from the truth by illogical, unreasonable, and fantastic claims. How you protect yourself from these charlatans, you commit yourself to the truth of God's word. Truth. They come to you and they tell you, Jesus told, that happens all the time, Jesus came to me in a dream last night and the world's going to end this October. You go to your Bible and you read where it says, not even the Son of Man knows the day or time of the end of this world. And neither will you. There's where your truth is. And they tell you that you're to give your money to them. And they tell you that there are, it is okay to embrace strange forms of sexuality. You go here and you show that no fornicator enters the kingdom of God. You guard yourself with the truth. You don't need to look for other truth. You already have it right here. You don't. I am pleading with you. I know how many of you struggle at this. And I am telling you. You do not have to be led astray by these charlatans. There is truth in God's word. Test the spirits. Whatever the spirits allegedly say. If it's not said in scripture. You don't know it. God has spoken to us through his son. Not through your uncle who had too much Jägermeister. <laughs> Number two then, guard yourselves with righteousness. What is our righteousness? It is our right standing before God. They come to tell you you're not in right standing with God. But I am here to tell you that if you have believed upon the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, you are in right standing with God. What did Paul say in Romans 3? Romans 3.21 The righteousness is of God through faith 
in Christ to all those who believe. Guard yourself that righteousness belongs to God through faith in Jesus to you who's believed. They don't have anything to offer you. You watch these shows, these infomercials. One of the things they talk about when they create a good infomercial is they have to create a problem you didn't know you had. And false teachers do the same thing. And I'm telling you, you don't have the problem of what is righteousness. You already have it if you have Christ. Number three, guard yourself with an active participation in the spread of the gospel of peace. In other words, don't just sit down guarding yourself with truth and with righteousness. Be active in the participation of the spread of the gospel of peace. What did Proverbs 16, 27 say about idle hands and idle lips? Idle hands are the devil's workshop and idle lips are his mouthpiece. He loves nothing more than for you to miss out on Sunday church, Wednesday Bible study, Thursday theology class. He loves when you're too busy to learn about God. He loves when you're too busy to tell someone about Jesus. Number four, guard yourself with true faith. I say not faith, but true faith. Because people promote this all the time. This is Oprah Winfrey at its best or at her worst. Just have faith. No. Faith is only as valuable as the one in whom we trust. Faith in anything is no real faith at all. This is an, this is an unreasonable faith. But our faith is a reasonable faith by which we can be certain that God will do all that he promised he would do in his word. Our faith came by hearing of his word, and our faith will be maintained by abiding in the word. We protect and shield ourselves from the flaming darts of false prophets when we put our faith in Christ. Guard yourself then with the certainty of salvation. Number five, false teachers love to act as if they have a new teaching on salvation. But John said it best. We know that we have come to know him if we keep his commands. There's not one other thing you need to do to be saved other than follow Jesus. Keep his commands is how you know you're saved. You don't need to go and dabble with Buddhism or dabble with Islam or dabble with witchcraft or dabble with voodoo or dabble with Santeria. You don't need to dabble with visions and Ouija boards to find one more thing to do for salvation. If you keep the commands of Christ, you are saved. Lastly, guard yourself with the word. Paul finished Ephesians by saying, in all circumstances, take up the shield of faith. He said, take out the helmet. But he also said, fight then with the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. If there's one point I cannot stress enough this morning, it is that the word of God is your sword to defeat these false prophets. If you want to kill a wolf, you better have a sword. And this is your sword. No other sword. I leave you with this challenge this morning. In Acts chapter 20, verses 29 through 31, when Paul was leaving Ephesus, he left the Ephesians with this challenge. He said, I know that after my departure, fierce wolves will come in among you. I know that after I leave and we leave our fellowship this morning, we are going to be vulnerable. Why do you think those fish get together in schools? It's to protect them from predators. You're safe here. The shepherd is here. 
Your brothers and sisters are here. Your shepherds, plural, are here to keep you safe. But when you leave here, you're not safe as you were here. Paul said, I know that after my departure, fierce wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. And from among your own selves will arise men speaking twisted things. Even the elders, even the best Christian in the church, the most knowledgeable Christian of theology in the church must too be on guard against these charlatans, these wolves in sheep's clothing. These men will be here to draw you away and to draw away the disciples after them. Therefore, he said, be alert. These were Paul's words to the Ephesian elders, and they are my words to you this morning because these are Jesus' words in our passage this morning. Beware of false prophets and be actively pursuing truth. Let's pray. Father, protect us from false teachers, from false prophets. Lord, you told us these wolves would be among us as the sheep leave the fold. Let us see the importance of being together, having a shepherd to protect us from false teaching, being in a faithful church where we are safe. Lord, I pray that you would impress upon us a newfound love to read your word, to rightly divide your word of truth, to know how to handle the sword which will protect us from these, our enemies. But Lord, they are wolves in sheep's clothing and they are lions prowling to harm your people. Let us not forget that they are out there, but let us be vigilant searching your word, guarding ourselves, our churches, and our homes. We pray these things. Amen. Would you stand as we close in song?